Yo, it's Boss. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, uh, we wanted to take uh, just a few seconds uh, to preface um, and give you a heads up about today's episode. Uh, today, we're talking about mental health in youth leaders' lives, um, and that's us. And so we recognize that this is a sensitive topic. Uh, it's, it's a hard conversation to have, and we wanted to give you a heads up before um, we had this conversation just to let you know that there might be something that triggers you. Um, it might trigger somebody that you're uh, listening with. Um, there might be some hard things that are talked about here um, that uh, maybe you're, you don't want other people to listen to right now around you. So we wanted to give you a heads up. But also we wanted to say too that if you're currently um, struggling with some tough emotions, maybe you're also feeling lonely, hey, we don't want you to hesitate to reach out and call Um and you can call and reach out to us in NYM. Um, we have contact information that's available for you um, anytime you want and write us uh, an email or text us or something. Um, but also don't hesitate to call the Lifeline, the, the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, it is at 1-800-273-TALK. And that is 8255. So again, it's 1-800-273-8255. All right, we're going to jump into today's episode. We really hope you enjoy it. Peace. Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading in youth ministry. Our hope is that you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in youth ministry. I'm your host, Boss, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dusty. Yes, sir. He's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Nick... How's it going? ...is in Sparks, Nevada. Nevada, you had it week, you had it right last week, now... Nevada, whatever. <laughs> Each month, we have a special guest join us in our conversation, and this month, we're honored to have Brock Morgan. Welcome to the show, Brock. Oh, man, it's so great to be with you guys. Hey, Brock, before we jump into our conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you located? Tell us about your family, and how long have you been in youth ministry? Yeah, so I... Uh... Have been married in May. It will be 25 years. Wow. About that. Uh, she's also a youth worker. Her name is Kelsey. And uh, we have one daughter, Danson, who's a senior at Lee University in uh, Tennessee. And let's see, we live in Washington, D.C., D.C. area. And I've been in youth work for like 27 years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we're stoked to have you a part of this conversation. Uh, Dusty and Nick, they have some, some kind of off-topic fun questions for you to get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, so doing with the free refills um, theme, we always usually ask the same question. What is your favorite soft drink? Oh, I am a Coke Zero guy. Really? Seems yeah. To be. I think that's like a trend, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's because, yeah. you know, youth workers eat pizza all the time and we're getting chubby. There and you go. diet products stink. <laughs> so uh, the Coke Zero line, man, come on. There you go. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> Nick's got next one. All right, yeah. Hey, um, we want to know what book you're reading right now. And because you write books, 
Uh, it can't be your book on this one. But what book are you reading currently? I'm reading a number of books. I'm, I'm the worst because I will... Uh, the book that I'm just finishing up that I highly recommend is Erwin McManus's book. Uh, is it called The Way of the Warrior? And mm. it's all about... Actually, it kind of connects to what we're talking about. Um, uh, fighting for Peace. Mm. And uh, it's an amazing book. There isn't a wasted word in it. Um, anyway, great book. Cool. Awesome. Sweet. Well, uh, Brock, we, we, we ask you to come into this conversation with us to help, help us learn and help other youth leaders learn about mental health and the importance of mental health in youth ministry and not just in our students, but in ourselves. Um, there's been there's been youth leaders that we are all aware of, or we've had conversations with who have possibly stepped away from youth ministry. They've stepped out of ministry or they're struggling currently in youth ministry with mental health. And we want to bring this to a light to where we can have a healthy discussion about ways to put up, you know, safeguards and, and what to do when we're struggling through that. And that's part of your story. And so we heard about that, we don't know your full story, so that's why we're asking you to come in. And, and so we're just honored that you would talk with us about it. So all that being said, tell us a little bit about your story and revolving around this mental health topic. Yeah. Um, uh, anxiety and uh, those kinds of things weren't a part of my story uh, early on. Um, and as I got into youth ministry and uh, still not a part of my story until I started working in um, unhealthy environments hmm. and it was a uh, high pressure um, kind of you're treated like a cog in a machine and um, hmm. um, not a lot of care and just pressure, pressure, pressure um, in really unhealthy ways. Uh, and that all of a sudden I started experiencing, um, and I don't even know if I at the time could put words around it, but, uh, I would probably have said, man, this is kind of, I feel like kind of stressed out. Um, mm -hmm. this is a stressful work environment. I might've used that kind of language. Mm -hmm. Um, so just high pressure work environments and me being a, uh, a tender-hearted dude. <laughs> I uh, it was a it was a perfect combination, a lethal combination for me to uh, all of a sudden one day, ten years later, think mm -hmm. I'm having a heart attack. Wow! When it's actually a panic attack. Yeah. Wow. So it so it comes to a head with a panic attack. What you thought was a, a heart attack? Uh, I thought I was dying. Wh okay, walk us through a little bit of that. I mean, did okay, that shock so, you? Did that, I mean, did it come out of nowhere where it was this? Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe we could talk a little about some warning signs or some like, um, uh, what kind of unhealthy environments I was working in that triggered some of this, but absolutely living in that for about 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. it really, one day I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, I was in the midst of having to do a lot of things and I was on my way. I had to go speak somewhere. So I was getting ready to do that. And all of a sudden, um, my heart started flipping out. My wife and daughter were there. Mm. Dude, I actually 
Guys, I I literally said my goodbyes to my wife and daughter. Wow. And they were like they were crying. It was very dramatic. And my wife didn't know what to do. She felt like, uh, I think this might be a panic attack. Um, yeah, this is before I even knew what that really was. Sure. Um, and so I, uh, she put me in the shower or tried to calm me down. But the water hitting my, it was like my, uh, I was so sensitive, it made it feel worse. Wow. So I was like, get me out of the shower. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, uh, anyway, got in bed, started breathing, relaxed. And she's like, I think you need, maybe you should get counseling. And I was like, yes, get me to a counselor. Wow. Yeah, if this is a, a mental uh, health issue, dude, I need, I'm ready to get some help. So, um, so what, what yeah. years, what years are we talking about? Like what, what was the time frame of this? This is like 2011. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm and how many like, years in youth ministry were you at at that point? So I was in a youth ministry. So I, I was just doing the math in my mind. And uh, I think I've been in youth work since I, I've been in youth work since 91. Okay. Mm. Yep. So I asked the I asked the year time frame because the reaction at that point to, I mean, from, from you to it, and then also to the people around you about a panic attack, what was that? What was that like? Was there a, was there a, people are unaware of it or was it more of like, you're going to be fine? I was afraid to tell people cause I felt like it was a weakness. Hmm. Hmm. Was that just in, in life or is that because of being in ministry? Um, because I was in ministry. Hmm. Um, hmm. and so I, uh, I felt like, you know, you feel all this pressure. Not only that, I was a pastor's kid. So you, from my whole life, I have felt pressure to live up to some standard. And all of a sudden, I'm showing um, some weakness. Something's not right with me. And I'm the guy who has to have it all together. You know, uh, you know so I, uh, mm. I kind of, I hit it. I even went to a counselor that no one would know. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. Hey, is the sunlight kind of bugging the screen? Am I okay? You're, You're good. good. Okay. So um, I, I wanted to, just to kind of reiterate how you brought up the youth ministry, um, that because it was youth ministry, I think anybody listening to this, you know, any male I think that I've talked to almost kind of tries to hide it regardless of what, where they're at. But then I think it's doubly, you know, effective or, you know, dramatic or use whatever adjective you want that causes another male in youth ministry. Now it's like, it's like double the weight. It's like, I'm not, I'm not a man enough to deal with this. And now I can't, I have to also hide it because of youth ministry and minute, you know, and, and you had brought up the, this idea of being, um, a pastor's kid, you know, a PK, you know, like that was me, that was boss, you know? So it's like, we, we get this whole idea of like, you have to be this certain way. And all of a sudden it's like, you're realizing, Oh, I'm not what everyone thinks I am. And, and I think that there's yep. tons of anxiety in that. Yeah. And the hiding is uh, another lethal 
you know, it's like throwing gasoline on the fire. It's just going to make mm-hmm. everything worse. That's mm. good. There's something liberating about saying, I'm broken too. <laughs> I need Jesus too. I'm a mess too. I need help. And um, just saying that is, it liberates us, but it also liberates our audience, whoever it is we're speaking with. They go, oh my gosh, that person is human. And mm. there's something liberating about being human. There's, mm. something, there's something freeing about going, um, wow, that's a, that's a person too. Yeah. So we have seen, you know, again, I'm a PK, so I've grown up in the church. And it seems as if transparency is on the rise, right? Where it's, it's welcomed more now yeah. Yeah. than before. Um, and it, have you experienced that Brock? Have you experienced that transparency where you just talked about when people go, Oh, you too. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, yeah, the more I've been able to be, uh, transparent and open about my own struggle. Um, I have seen it create. we as leaders is we create environments where people can experience the warmth of God. Yeah. So in the midst of their struggle, they go, Oh, like I'm okay. Like uh, God's with me. These people get me. And we create these communities that their value is we're creating safe environments and vulnerable open environments. And that always has to begin with the leader that Mm -hmm. begins with us. Mm -hmm. We cue the room. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it doesn't mean that we are vulnerable to a point of, um, dumping. Yep. No, that's not what we do. Um, or to a point of giving people ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, or normalizing my dysfunction, those are all unhealthy cues. But I can do it in a way that frees the room. So you brought up a key word that we talked about yesterday in our pre-recorded meeting um, about this idea of normalization or de- almost a desensitized. Mm-hmm. Um, I used, I was telling these guys, I w- we were in a, in a, a theater, uh, me and my, my wife, and the fire alarm goes off in the middle of the show. And nobody moves, you know, everyone just sits there and they're like, Oh, this isn't real. It's not a big deal. Everyone just chill, you know, but they're like, no, you need to exit. But I feel like in the same sense with mental health issues, we've almost, we've almost, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's so many people who go when, when they come to somebody and go, I need to talk. It's almost like we're desensitized to, or, or normalize ourselves to go. Are you really though? So can you speak into that? The idea of like, is that a thing that you've seen where people have almost be kind of come numb to because mental health is out there so often have people come numb to it? Well, sure. Um, there's a, we can normalize it in a good way and then we can, uh, normalize it in a way that you go, this isn't a big deal. This is what everyone goes through. Mm -hmm. And, um, that tells you how broken we are. 
Mm. We take something that literally, if you were to have anxiety, that's your body saying to you, something's not right. Yeah. Right. Something's wrong. And to go, oh no, everyone has that. That's, that's bull crap. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) So like, yeah, we can. So like the best example is I've never seen so many kids struggle with anxiety. Um, loneliness, depression, um, it's an epidemic, right? And so they can even communicate with each other. Oh, I have panic attacks every day and do it in a way that everyone else feels like if they don't have panic panic attacks, they're the weird ones. Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's not the environment we want to create either. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, Oh, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, but for us as, as youth pastors, I mean, and youth leaders out there, we, we see this with the students and we want to be that help. We want to be the person walking alongside. And I, I know in my, my story with struggling with suicidal thoughts from, from fifth grade on, even with me, I'm afraid to bring that up with students because there's that, you know, I, I, I want to look better. I want to sure, sure. be healthy. I want to take care of them. Um, and it, it's hard to fight that and be honest and open with them. And I start to forget the warning signs in my own life mm. of when I am getting unhealthy again. And when I am leading into that same place I was before, um, for you, you mentioned that you had that rough moment that said, okay, yeah, no, I want counseling now. Looking back on that, were there warning signs that you would say, I should have done that earlier. Um, I wish I would have talked to somebody beforehand. And what would those be for someone sitting in my position of, hey, you need to pay attention before we get to that, that yeah. moment? A couple of things. Um, first, let me just speak to the um, being vulnerable thing. So you, you, So what I do is I will cue the audience in a way that – I'm using that word cue too much (laughs) in a way that, um, so I will like drop a hint about anxiety. Mm. So if a kid's not struggling with anxiety, they don't really, it's not, it doesn't out to whoever is struggling with anxiety in the room. They go, Ooh, I should talk to Brock about that. So I will give Mm. little hints from time to time of my own struggle, but I don't have to be graphic. So just Mm. little, little hints. Um, but back to the warning signs in 2000 and um, let me think 2008, 2009, I was working, I started to work for um, a really big church. And uh, in my mind, it was a dream job. And uh, the, the first day I was, I was uh, at the job was, was a Sunday morning, and I was welcoming in kids. We were getting ready to start, and a man walked into the room. This is my very first day. I haven't even unpacked. I haven't even uh, brought my stuff into my office. Hmm. And um, a man walks into the room. Never seen him before. Haven't seen him since. And he goes, hey, um, I was wondering, uh, the youth pastor, I was like, yeah. He goes, I was in a meeting yesterday with the senior pastor, and he was talking about how the direction you're taking the youth group is really bad, and 
he was really talking negative about you and the direction. And in that meeting, I just felt checked and I felt like I needed to come talk to you. And I looked at this guy and I was like, dude, this is my first day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I think you might be talking about the last, the previous guy, maybe. And this guy goes, is your name Brock Morgan? And I went, yeah. He goes, no, he was talking about you. Whoa. He, he walks out and I just dismissed it. I thought this guy got confused because that's, that's insane, right? So I um, quickly dismissed it. But then over the next month, I'm hearing the, the senior pastor is just killing me in meetings. So I uh -huh. set up a meeting with him. He cancels. I set up another meeting. He cancels. This goes on for six months. Whoa. He's verbally killing me. Um, at any rate, I finally get a meeting and I'm like, dude, we can end this. I don't have to be your guy. And he's like, oh, no, no. I you're my guy. I want you to be my guy. So I just stuck with it. I, I lived in this environment for two years where this guy verbally was killing me. Uh, pressure on numbers was insane. So he said, uh, you need to have um, 200 kids go on the mission trip, 200 high school kids. Wow. So I, I, took, I took 300. The next year he said, I need you to double that. What? I took 1,000 the next year. Hmm. I walked in hoping to have him go, congratulations, you killed it, 1,000 kids. Um, instead he goes, next year you need to double it, 2,000. I, I, I uh, looked at him and I uh, was like, I think I'm done. Wow. And I walked out and now here's my answering your question. About three months later, I'm sitting in a room with a counselor because my wife says, uh, um, you're acting, you're not acting like yourself. Mm. And this lady, this counselor looks at me and she goes, Brock, who do you need to forgive? Who's not asking you for forgiveness? And I looked at her and I said, I ain't forgiven that guy. I mm. want him to pay. Wow. And I, I got strong in my anger and in my unforgiveness hmm. and that led me into high anxiety and panic attacks wow was unforgiveness wow, wow. brock brock thanks for thanks for sharing that yeah uh, no lie because i mean i think on some scale i think maybe someone's probably been there um and i think that idea of forgiveness that that man that, that the word the way you just put that that you drew strength in your unforgiveness but but mm. as you felt strong in that moment you were like becoming weak that's right in other areas mm. and i think that that's really important for anybody listening to say like although you may feel like you're strong here right you're you're actually you're causing yourself this pain in mm -hmm. another way yeah. oh man that's that's the so now looking, looking back at the, that moment, right? Cause you're, you're now on this side of that moment. Yeah. What, what do you take from it that you've learned of here are some warning signs for me as, as a, as a leader, what do I, what do I start to put in place so that I can catch this before it gets to, I'm standing in the shower and I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. Um, Okay. So I started. All right. So 
what ended up happening is in my new job, I just buried my head and worked my tail off. Um, the next job I took was also an unhealthy environment. Hmm. Again, tragic mistake. Hmm. Um, and uh, that's a whole other story, but um, sure. I ended up working really hard, not listening to myself my body, my mind, not being self-actualized. Why am I feeling this way? To be self-actualized, you know yourself, you understand mm. how you're made, mm. why your body's reacting. I, I ignored all those things and I just worked my tail off. And mm. ministry exploded, success. But um, I was all of a sudden in the shower a year later thinking I was having a heart attack. And so I went and got counseling and it literally, people are, I know it depends on the counselor. So if you've tried counseling and didn't work, I get that. Um, I just needed to talk to someone <laughs> it's, mm. and someone who was safe. I didn't need to come and dump on my wife, uh, coworker. I needed someone safe and I just needed to talk. And it was, and then I learned one day, I sensed God telling me I needed to forgive that man. Um, and I didn't know how to, Wow. Um, I couldn't since I left, they went through three different youth pastors and man, it, and, and these people were horribly wounded. So I wanted inside. I'm like, this guy needs to pay. Right. I was talking with a newspaper. I wanted to expose him cause he was kind of famous in the area. And, uh, and I just had to let go of that. And one day, I was sitting, listening, um, actually to my father lead a Bible study. And he was talking, he was speaking my language, man. The Holy Spirit was working. And I just, in that moment went, I forgive you. Hmm. And it was, it was spiritual. It was empowered by God's spirit. Cause it's, you can't for unforgiveness doesn't come necessarily easy when you've been wounded, uh, terribly. So God empowered me to do what he does best, hmm. which is to forgive. Hmm. And um, I just felt it go. And then I started some new habits. Every evening, my wife and I walk, do a prayer walk. Hmm. If I feel, I feel tension in my chest, if I feel my chest tighten, I go, oh, I can be in a meeting and be like, uh, I got, I got to go. And I just unplug. I wow. don't let okay. my, I don't bury, I don't ignore myself. So if I feel like tension coming tight here, I just go, that's, I unplug. Um, so I'm, uh, my phone reminds me three times a day to pray. So, uh, 9am noon and, uh, excuse me, five, I, mm. I pray even if I'm in the middle of something, um, I do the Daniel thing. I just pray three times a day and then I go for a prayer walk every night. I breathe. Mm. I get around nature, nature. I'm sitting outside right now with the sun uh, <laughs> blaring on my head. Yeah. Um, I get outside. These are, these are the things that um, I've become aware of that keep me super healthy. Mm. And it's really hard to help people towards health. If you yourself are not healthy. So you mentioned in that that you said you, you just needed to talk to somebody. Um, 
for someone sitting out there that maybe is really connecting to your story, feeling like, hey, I'm in the same spot, but I don't know who to go to, um, what would you say to them? Who would you recommend as a starting point for that? Okay, so um, you can go at it a couple ways. This is what I did. I was a poor youth pastor. You know, it's like those sessions are 150 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. Like it's insane. So there was a local Christian uh, uh, university, and I literally went and sat with one of their students who had to get hours under their belt to graduate. <laughs> so it wasn't even a person with a lot of experience. I just needed someone, and this guy saved me. Um, so that's one option. <laughs> it was free. Um, hmm. But then the other option is you can call um, if your church has a counseling department, my church does, uh, they can recommend, hey, I need someone outside the church. A gentleman's dealing with anxiety. Can you recommend someone? Um, if you need to keep it kind of under wraps, that's totally fine. And it doesn't have to just be anxiety, gang. Like there's so many issues. We're living in this world that can stain us. We can fall or we can compromise subtly. All of a sudden we're in something and we just need to regularly, I'm, I am a believer. Like my wife and I will go get counseling once a year, whether we feel like we need to or not. Mm. It's just a checkup, man. Yeah. Sometimes we go in and this counselor's like, you guys are doing so great and it's so affirming and worth the mm. 150 bucks. Mm. And other times we've really needed to work out some things. And so I just think we, we need to have practice and do some things that, that leads us towards health. Yeah. You brought up something very specific uh, for you when you talked about the, the tightening of your chest and understanding your body and, and really getting in tune with that. First question would be how long did it take you to get there? And like, how often did you have to practice that? Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is um, just, your opinion or the, from people you talk to, how often are people feeling that, but just not doing anything about it? You okay. know, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but I would love to, I would love you to speak into that about in youth ministry, feeling that and just like, it's normal again, normal. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, if you ignore it, it definitely, um, like I did, um, cause your body and we're just not in tune with ourselves. Um, does speak to you. You think of like, you know, you're, Oh man, my knees bugging me and you can just keep playing, mm -hmm. you know, and ignore it. And that thing's going to get worse. The same is it with your mind mm -hmm. and uh, your heart. And so I think um, you, I would feel, I would feel that, but I didn't initially, I didn't know what I was feeling. I was like, what am I? I don't feel right. And so I would try to like, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? And then the counselor, this uh, uh, student getting their master's in counseling, uh, like had studied and read books on helping people with uh, anxiety and stress and had different eating techniques and uh, how to be aware of what's going on with your body. And so he led me through some breathing exercises and different things that made me more and more aware and I started to feel the, the release of tension. And then I was like, oh, I felt tension there. I didn't even know that. And so it was just me doing what I needed to do to find health. And 
I was not going to be too prideful to get help. Um, and so, cause it scared me to death. Um, the panic attack was the best thing that ever happened to me when mm. we're talking about this topic, because it mm. forced me, it humbled me. Yeah. Mm. So you, you've mentioned on a few, a few times that now you have, you have reminders, you have uh, nightly walks and it's, it revolves around like, Hey, I go and pray. I, you know, three times a day we go on prayer walks, that sort of thing. There is a stigma that comes with mental health that people can dismiss at times and say, Oh, you must not be praying enough. You need to pray more. Or maybe that was something that you felt, especially as a, as a PK, I've felt that times where I'm like, I need to pray more. Maybe that I'm not a good Christian right now because I've, yeah. I've been wired that way. And especially in a leadership position, what is that? What did that do to you with your, your view of God, your conversations with God, and then maybe from, can you speak to somebody who's going, maybe it's not pray more, you know, maybe it's the type of prayer. What does that look like? I know yeah. I've asked you a bunch of questions all along. Yeah, I mean, obviously to me, it's not a A, B, and C, you know, that A plus B equals C. I don't, it, right. it, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, and I would never say if, you just pray more, um, things will happen. Um, mm. But I do think that if you talk to God more, you'll be more connected. <laughs> sure, sure. sure. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, also, I also exercised. I realized uh, if the, the more stress I felt, the more I sat on my butt. Mm. So um, I also did other things. Um, I started practicing the withness of God. Talk to the, talk about that. All right. So, you know, what's it, what's God's name? His name is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. Yeah. Mm. And, and so I am the worst at praying. Hmm. Um, I, uh, I'm, I don't go to a, a church that does, I've never worked in a church. I've never memorized liturgy. Hmm. So it's not like I can just, Oh, I'll just say these prayers that I've said since I was a kid. Um, so I just, would walk in the neighborhood and listen to music. Um, it doesn't even have to be Christian, quote unquote, Christian music. And I just mm. notice things with God. Mm. Man, mm. that tree's beautiful. Like I'm mm. going for a walk with him. Man, God help that guy in his front yard. Mm. You know, and I just drive in my car. I'm, I don't listen to the radio. I'm just going to drive with with God. Mm. Um, and so I just practice the withness of God and I just, um, I, I feel like I can go any, I can go through anything if I'm aware that God, if he's with me, I can, I can make it. Hmm. And so practicing the withness of God, um, has been revolutionary for me just to do, do my day with him. And, and the more I've done that, the more in tune I am with his spirit. And he's all of a sudden I'm sen sensing him kind of pointing things out that otherwise I would have missed. Hmm. And hmm. so um, I think that can lead towards a life of peace. Um, if I'm doing all these other things, I'm getting counseling, I'm, I'm exercising, I'm, breathing i'm becoming aware of myself and i'm doing life with god mm. um these are good things mm. 
Yeah, that, that reminds me kind of my story a little bit and where I connect with this because um, we talked about this in the pre-show. One of our first guests, Drew Wright, um, kind of talked about this idea of being in the same boat and feeling like, hey, I can connect with you, but completely different ponds and what we're going through is completely different. And that's kind of where I'm seeing this, where you've walked through anxiety, I've walked through suicidal thoughts and, and I didn't have any of those warning signs physically and I still don't. Um, for me, it's, it's what you're just talking about. It's that isolation as, as an extrovert, mm. when I feel myself isolating, staying at home, wanting to sleep, not yeah. wanting to pray, not wanting yeah. to be with God at all. Like that to me, like that's one of my biggest warning signs is, yeah. and it, it's a struggle to pray. It's a struggle to notice where mm. he is with me. That's when I need to go talk to somebody because I know those yeah. are going to come in and I, I just want to kind of say to, to anyone listening that their their warning signs might look different than mine. They might look different than yours because we're going to be in different ponds on this. Um, yeah. Know but, your signs. That's your yeah. next. That's your next book, Nick. Know your signs. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So. Brock, you have talked about not only being and being with God, but also being with other people. Because you said, like, I just needed somebody to talk to. Like, I needed a, a human who sat right next to me to talk to. Mm -hmm. Is that something that is still in place now for you? that is a, a consistent thing for you? Do you have a group that you can go to where you say, hey, this is, this is where I can be real. This is where I can dump. This is where I can unload, where I don't have to put on a, a facade at times or you know, just give little hints that things are, you know, that I'm struggling, where you can say, this is me yeah. and, and they accept me here. Yeah, I would say right now I, I do and I do not. Okay. Um, so literally just last week I told my wife, Kelsey, I was like, I think I need to, uh, um, cause we're getting, you know, we're a lot of stuff is happening in our lives right now. So I, we need to, uh, maybe I should talk with someone, so I have these friends that I meet with regularly and they are deep spirited friends, but sometimes you need, uh, I'm trying to do preemptive strikes. So, um, mm. you know, land, land my, my blows. Um, and so I just try to be super thoughtful. So I'm like, I, I probably should, um, talk with someone because I don't want, I'm so desperate for this stuff to stay, uh, away. <laughs> yeah. So I am, I'm doing some preemptive things. I, mm. So I'm not sitting on my hands. Mm. Um, and that stinks because we all want to just act like, oh, I, I dealt with that. It's gone. Mm -hmm. And it's the biggest lie in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've learned that. There's been times maybe a year and a half ago. I, I Again, I had that panic attack. I never had one again until a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And it was like, again, I was not – uh, listening to myself. I was working too hard. There was all kinds of pressure. I was getting, I'm a youth pastor. I was getting mean emails from parents and, uh, <laughs> and dealing with that stuff. And I just went, um, all of a sudden 
and it wasn't a full-on panic attack. I want, maybe it wasn't quite a panic attack, but I felt a high level of anxiety. And I immediately went to the woods for like three hours and hiked Mm. and um, took a few days off and breathed and kind of unplugged, got got on a boat. You know, I I did some things because I was like, oh, this is bad. And Mm. um, but it's time for me to jump back into counseling, Um, even just one session, just one like one time it it's a it can be a a game changer for me so i i think we you know i think we've kind of hit around this but i think we just go straight straight at it in this idea that that pastors or youth workers or that that they do not struggle like i think you kind of mentioned like you hit on that but i want to like be make sure we very very clear on this um how do we break that stigma like how, how do we, can we, can we literally destroy the barriers that say this, this is real for us even more so Yeah, as youth workers? All right. So when I was a, uh, I was probably 24, uh, I had been married for about a year and here's what I thought. I thought that when I got married, all of my struggles would go away. <laughs> yes. I don't right. <laughs> oh, good. I'm married. I'm never going to lust again. Mm-hmm. Or I'm never going to, whatever, you name it. I'm never going to mm-hmm. have a problem again. I'm marrying this person that will complete me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, uh, what I realized is that my problems actually got worse. Mm. It was bringing out the, uh, the, the, my worst self was coming out. Mm-hmm. I was being exposed when I got into this marriage. Mm. And, so I got an airplane. I flew to this man who had discipled me for four years at my college. He was the president of our school. And I sat with him and I just dumped. I said, Dr. Brown, I'm struggling with this and this. And I just dumped it. And this is what I thought he was going to do for me. I thought he would say, wow, that's, I thought I would at least get an air of disappointment. Um, and I didn't care though, because I was just desperate to be whole. And he looks at me and he falls to his knees and tears are in his eyes. And he goes, Brock, me too. Wow. I need Jesus too. Mm. Me too. Mm. And he took my hands and we prayed for each other in that office. Mm. And it was revolutionary for me. It was revolutionary for me as a pastor. Cause I started pastoring from a me too place. Mm. I started, I know that we, that me, that phrase has been hijacked for something different, but just hang right. with me. Right. Um, I was, I started parenting a couple years later when we had a, a kid, I started parenting from a me too. So on my daughter, she was like the best liar on the planet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's like four years old. I'm like, I saw you do this. All you have to do is say that you did and it's over. You're not even getting in trouble. <laughs> and she would lie. I mean, she was the worst liar. And so I started, I started practicing. Danton, I liked, I've lied too. I started mm. doing me too. Let's pray together um, too. Cause let's pray for each other. And it, it changed her because yeah. she didn't feel like she needed to be hiding. 
it yeah. changed me because it reminded me of my own brokenness. Mm-hmm. I would, mm-hmm. Kids would come to me and confess their stuff. And I, I go, man, me too. I need Jesus too. Can we pray for each other? Mm-hmm. And this me too changed our ministry, our home. Um, it changed, uh, it changed my perspective. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, uh, me too, man, that, it, 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 uh, liberated me. Yeah, that, that is, it, that might have just answered this question, uh, that I'm about to ask, but maybe you can elaborate just a little bit more on it as we get ready to wrap up. So as you're sitting with, you're sitting with a youth leader, another adult leader is looking at you and they said, here's what I'm struggling with. Like, I am, I'm, I'm feeling this, this is where it is. Like, if you Brock are sitting with you Brock, you know, sort of thing. And they tell you, obviously you can say me too, but what would, what would somebody like myself who maybe the mental health thing, I haven't, I haven't navigated that yet. I haven't gone through that and I'm sitting with somebody. What's the response that you want or what you need really from someone like me? What can I say? Sure. Well, again, the me too doesn't have to be specific. I'm broken too. I need God too. I know what it is to struggle as well. Yeah. I am with Mm. you. I hear Mm. you. Let's, let's get help. So Mm. it, it, you don't have to share my struggle to connect with me. Yeah. And Mm. I don't have to know exactly what you've gone through to empathize. I can empathize because I know what it is to struggle. Mm. I know what it is to not know how to kind of deal with life at times. Um, And so I can put myself in that place. I don't, I don't have to like, I think it's one of the biggest lies. So I had Mm. a kid come to me and say, Brock, have you ever uh, uh, been high? And I actually haven't, (laughs) I've never been high. And I was like, no, I've not been high. So then he looks at me and he goes, well, then you can't talk to me about um, my, uh, my drug issue. And I looked at him and I was like, that's baloney. I know Mm -hmm. what it's like to be tempted. I know what it's like to have to say Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. I like, are you kidding me? Yeah. We don't dismiss each other because we haven't gone through exactly what our friend has gone through. We're not going to do that. That's not the environment we create. That's good. That's, that's good. Yeah. Wow. That's helpful. And hopefully, and, and prayerfully helpful for everyone who's listening. Um, Brock, thank you. Thank you so much for this conversation and for being vulnerable and um, sharing your story Mm -hmm. um, for the sake of, of all of us being better in all of this together and helping each other. Um, and even our help, helping ourselves really, and, and really noticing in our own self when, when it is we need to re- reach out and grab for help. Hopefully it's before the warning signs and we, we can get ahead of it. Brock, before we sign off, where can people find you? Maybe they heard something today and they were like, I either really like that guy or I got some serious questions for that guy or something and they want to reach out to you. How can they connect? Where can they find you? You can obviously, you can go to my website, brockmorgan.com and there'll be links there to email or reach out to me through whatever social media you want to reach out to me on. Great. 
uh, so yeah, brockmorgan.com. And you also just recently released a book. Can you talk about that as well? Yeah. So it's called beautiful rebellion and it's for teenagers. I've, uh, I've, I went to the publisher and I was like, Hey, I've got a book idea for teenagers. And this is what they said to me. They said, teenagers don't read books. <laughs> That's good. And I was like, well, what if we, what if I wrote a book that they would actually want to read? Yeah. And, and so right now, kid, youth groups all over the country are reading uh, this book together. And cool. I, last night I literally surprised a youth group and popped in and they freaked out. They were like, oh my gosh, they're all holding my book because they were reading it. And That's uh, that, that was amazing. But um, let me tell you what's going on in the world. And this is connected to what we've been talking about. Since yeah. 2011, suicide attempts have gone up among teenage boys 25%. Suicide mm -hmm. attempts since 2011 have gone up 65 65% among teenage girls. Wow. This is this is 2011. That's like yesterday. This yeah. is significant. The world's broken. Right. This generation knows it. Right. Kids know it. Like they know this way what we're doing ain't working. Yeah. I don't know if the way of Jesus is the answer, but I know this other way it ain't working. Right. Right. And so this book is a calling to rebel against this stuff mm. that's not working, that's killing us. Mm. And, and it's beautiful. It, it's a beautiful rebellion. I, I hope you check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Well, Brock, thank you for giving your time today to tell your story. Our hope and prayer is that all of us would benefit in some way from the journey you have traveled and are continuing to navigate. This is not an easy topic to discuss. We realize that. We all learn from... We all learn more about ourselves from others if we take the time to show up and listen. And that's what we want to do here. And if you're struggling in any way at all in your life right now, reach out to someone. Ask for help. Even if it's simply to talk. Maybe you're in a place right now where you are not struggling. Reach out. We all know someone who needs us to show up for them. Ask if you can help. Also, if you're struggling with some tough emotions or feeling lonely, don't hesitate to call the lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. We'll put all of that stuff in the show notes so that you can see all of this. Hey, we benefit and we grow in community. And believe it or not, there are youth leaders in your area who want to be in community with you right now. And we have a way to find them. Go to our website, nnym.org to search your area today. We also want this podcast to be a free refill for you, the youth worker. Our hope and our prayer for you is that this conversation encouraged you to realize that you are not alone. We want to hear from you because we know you have a lot to say. So write in to us at freerefillspodcast at nnym.org. Hey, and if you're encouraged at all by this episode today, help us grow this community by sharing, rating, or leaving a review in iTunes. It helps us, it helps this show be seen more. And before we sign off, I just want to re remind everybody that the National, National Youth Workers Convention is happening at the end of November in Tampa, Florida this year. We can't wait to see you. We're going to be there. We're actually going to do some live recording during the time we're there. We might even ask you to be a guest. So if you're there, make sure to stop by the booth anywhere in the convention center. We can't wait to see you. 
And as we leave, remember, the more we pour into ourselves, the more we can pour out to others. Blessings. Blessings.